Steve, let me finish talking. Here we are for episode seven of the Snow Day podcast. Going to be talking about work-life balance. Sometimes that's fun, and sometimes it's really shitty. Look for us on Twitter. We are at Snow Day Pod. All of our episodes are at www.snowdaypod.podbean.com. Uh, quick shout out to the Deke Man, Derek right. Thompson, our very first subscriber on Podbean. All right. You <laughs> <laughs> beat my mom to it. <laughs> just, just barely. We're up to nine subscribers now. So we've All got right. Deke, your mom, and seven others. Uh, growing fast. Things, things are going our way. Actually, as the uh, Tech guy, my goal this episode is to get us on iTunes. I checked that out, and I, th- I think we can make that happen, boys. So, All right. Uh, nice. We'll, we'll shoot, Excellent. We'll, we'll shoot for that. Yeah, who knows? We might get nine more subscribers after that. Shouldn't that be a, shouldn't that be producer Mike's job? Yeah. <laughs> what are we paying <laughs> for? Oh, wait a minute. Shouldn't I'm he be him. fucking getting us in the <laughs> iTunes store? Shouldn't he be getting the corporate sponsorships? I mean, come on, producer Mike. What the hell? <laughs> he gets a lot of airtime for a guy who does not a lot. <laughs> Producer Mike's comments on the last one, uh, pleasantly surprised uh, sort of how good our energy was. He said that he was a little worried about the topic going in. Wasn't quite sure where it was going to go. He said it was a little Toronto-centric. Um, <laughs> thought maybe we were pushing it a little bit on the international examples that we were came off a little more worldly wise than we were. But uh, I said, come on, man, look at us. We're Snow Day Pod. Overall, though, he said it was great. My mom, not as impressed. Oh, Too much laughing, she said. It was distracting. So producer Mike liked the energy. (laughs) Too much laughing. Dolores not keen on all the laughing. She was looking for real content, I guess. Wow. You know what Dolores rhymes with? (laughs) (laughs) So I don't know if you guys heard anything else about it, but I thought uh, we had probably, I don't know, last time I looked, we had about 300 listens, uh, So which was way more than a bunch of the other ones. So things are going our way. Wow, that's fantastic, actually, 300 listens. Yeah. No yeah. How do you uh, how do you find that out? I just go from library to library, and yeah. I tune in from different computers. <laughs> <laughs> Internet coffee shop. I just text everyone in my list and ask if they listen. That's yeah. how I know that there was three hundred. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. But right. that's fantastic. I love it. Our global audience is growing. Yeah, it is. Now, what you you may have to you may have to get back to Dolores and let her know that you know, two hundred of those listens actually came from overseas. Yeah. <laughs> so we need to appeal to our global audience and. Uh, uh, you know, we, we, we have to spread our wings a little bit. We're huge in North Korea. <laughs> huge. Huge. I'll let her know that we value her opinion, but she's in the minority. Yeah. Just before we get started, just to make sure we're all on the same page as we're listening to this, understand this is just four guys sitting around in a virtual living room having a chat because they're stuck in a snowstorm. It's not our professional selves. There's nothing here we're embarrassed about, but... There's going to be a little bit of swearing and just us being us. So let's just take it for what it is. This is Snow Day, a podcast with Dr. George Alvarez. And so that would be my advice to people. Yeah, balance comes from within. And if you enjoy your life and your work, then that's the balance. Stephen DeGroote internationally renowned speaker, author, and leadership expert. 
I can't believe I'm in the home office. You're in the home office? I am. I'm at 15 Sturgeon. 15 Sturgeon Crescent. <laughs> Leslie Hansen, software company owner and CEO. I guess I'm, I'm almost a Torontonian. So I, I, none of us are fans <laughs> of that. Yeah, fans of that statement, right? Yeah, I don't think I am either. And me, Bruce Krentz, the one they left behind. Like just short of punching a clock, they actually put a hand scanner in our work. Fortunately, this the software didn't work, and then some people knocked them off the wall because they were just mad. Before we jump into a little talk about work-life balance, we got to do a bit of a check-in. You know what, guys? I'm going to jump right into it. I got to close the the loop on the Jim Rudd thing. Are you curious what he sold to Guy? Yes. <laughs> what did he sell to guys? Does, Are you sitting down less? Does Guy duck hunt? Because yeah. it was duck decoys. <laughs> oh, for crying out loud. you got to be kidding me. Oh, my God. <laughs> Living in it. downtown Winnipeg. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's going to be useful. Yes, they're, they're really close to the river, aren't they? Well, they are, actually. Yeah, they, they are they, actually they right on the river. The river. And uh, beyond that, Jim Rudd has now sold me a shotgun and a taxi sign for my boat. So Jim's inventory is, it's, it's all over the place. It's phenomenal. <laughs> <laughs> In a little bit of other news for me, uh, actually, I'll throw that one back to the Deke man too. He loved the whole guy reference thing in the last uh, episode. That was his highlight of it. Uh, Jim was up here to help me with some renos on our second home. Uh, out at the lake, so we made a little bit bigger deck and uh, had the big guy out there for the weekend, him and Lee Bud. Bud and Rudd up for a couple of days to do some renos, and uh, we had an awesome time. So, I mean, my July in Thompson has been an absolute 180 from when you guys were here. <laughs> 30 above and nothing but sun is nothing like 10 feet of snow and staring death in the face. So <laughs> Yeah, wow. Wow. Excellent. It's been a beauty. I'll throw it over to Steve since he's uh, we're nose to nose here in the home office. Got to yeah. throw that out. Steve's in town for a couple of days. Yeah. So I've got him right here at HQ. I'm here at the headquarters at uh, 15 Sturgeon Crescent here. I'm uh, up in the north. I'm uh, um, nine days with my beard. And uh, wow. yeah, I'm just loving to be in here with Bruce. I get to see Les and George quite often. And now I'm here hanging out with Bruce. And uh, yeah, looking forward to this this work-life balance, which uh, I have lots to talk about uh, where it brings us. Glad to be in the north. Up, up here hanging around, you've definitely done the best job of being in everybody's kitchen. Lester, uh, what's going on in Toronto? Sounds like busy days for you right now. What's shaking? Yeah, it is It is pretty busy, but uh, I'm happy to be home and sitting in my kitchen right now. And uh, my girlfriend is upstairs getting herself showered and beautiful because this is her birthday today. So I'm taking her for dinner. So I'm squeezing in this chat with you guys between my day in the office and uh, what sure to be a, a fun night out. So perfectly timed. What better be a little bit of good work-life balance? Yeah, sounds <laughs> Well, there sounds you go. Well done. Say, well, Georgie, Cowtown, how was Stampede? And uh, how's this uh, no meat thing going for you? Well, that, yeah, that's, I have two things to comment. One, my no meat thing went away two days ago. I was invited over to a guy's house for dinner to talk about how my Portugal trip was. And uh, he went out and bought like two inch steaks. And he started barbecuing and I felt so deflated. Like I can't tell the guy, I'm off red meat. Hey, Bruce does it all the time. (laughs) Take a page out of his book. Yeah. So I ended up, I, uh, I cheated. So that was it. I had my, uh, my red meat a couple of days ago after since the original bet, which must be going on to about four months. Yeah. Although you now. did have that, you had that little bit of hamburger and that uh, stuffed pepper we had when I was in Calgary. So I don't think I ate it. I might have put it to the side. And then, yeah, my other big thing. I is think you guys we have it on. I, I think we have it on tape. Actually, I, I think we recorded. Hey, that. Steve, let me finish talking. All right. <laughs> at at headquarters, <laughs> and the other big thing was 
Yeah, coming back from Portugal. Took my mom and my kids to Portugal. It was just a trip of a lifetime, really reconnected with the goose roots. And uh, I'm fully recharged. I love it. Did you like have, do you have more hair on your back from that trip? Nope. Oh, okay. Just wondering. As you know, I'm lasering now. <laughs> do a little concrete work while you're there. Build a yeah. nice sloop. Did you build a sloop and uh, put some cement down with some plywood? Oh, yeah. It, ro- it runs through my veins for all those <laughs> listeners who aren't getting Portuguese uh, references. <laughs> I love it, actually. I saw Billy O'Georgie, and uh, it was like he was minute by minute following your trip. One day he was just, he was as over the moon as you were that that whole thing went down. It was it awesome. It's like so, you were the World Cup. Yeah. Fantastic. This is crazy. I actually met, I uh, we hung out with Abilio's sister for wow. a couple of hours. Just to sort of pull that full circle. Yeah, we went to visit her. Wow. I'm grabbing the tomato timer because showers last long, but they don't last forever. I got 20 on there. The topic today is work-life balance. We've got pretty wide variety of stuff. We're going to go right to uh, to, to Georgie because I think you've got the craziest work schedule of all of us. So just describe for us what your work week looks like, how many days a week, and generally how many hours a day. Just give us a feel for what a, a guy that, doctor school how many years of doctor <laughs> school medicine a couple yeah. years of doctor school yeah my my schedule will be hard to understand because i work weeks at a time so when i'm working my work week can be sort of 50 hours up to 90 if i have a a bad week and then when i'm not working and if i have administratively light weeks i i'm getting drunk and not picking um march madness picks and I'm golfing like I did yesterday and I'm hanging out. So my I have zero work-life balance because when I'm working, all I do is work. And when I'm not working, I have like pure leisure. So I have a very weird schedule. And uh, <laughs> when you're not working, just, just for me, because I'm curious about this, is there some uh, expectation that you're doing professional development and courses and stuff like that? And I'm saying that seriously, not, you know, to kind of bug you because really you're you're off almost as many weeks as you're on right yeah 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 so yeah prob- yeah people wouldn't understand that so yeah i mean i have a certain expectation for research administrative duties education university time and i usually try to clump that all together so yeah it's a little bit i guess i'm lying to say that my week off is completely a week off but because i've been in school and continue to be in school for so long i have made it a huge priority in my life to make sure that when I'm not working, I'm really not working and get to do lots of stuff with my kids and volunteer. Uh, but yeah, you're right. I do have other non-clinical duties um, to perform. And such as, oh, sorry, gay bars in San Francisco. <laughs> gay bars uh, in San Francisco. Not even, <laughs> avoiding, yeah. avoiding red meat in, uh, in Alberta where it's grown. <laughs> so they grow it from trees. So second zanius schedule on our list has probably got to be used. DVD, your yeah, you know, work life balance. How do your weeks look? I don't know. Every time I hear it, I kind of throw up in my mouth. Uh, balance to me is full speed. Um, of course, I, I run my own business, so that that is like you're always working. Um, I'm sure Les can attest to that in in many ways. Uh, work life balance. I, you know, it's it's interesting. My I work when I have my boys. I don't work when I'm with them. So about fifty percent of the time, I work before they get up. And when they go to bed, but when I don't have them, it's pretty much 18-hour days. Um, yeah, so balance to me is full speed ahead so that I don't tip over. That's my balance. <laughs> that's, right? that's, the, that's the balance of some, some weeks, not much, and other times, morning, Just noon, and night. full on, yeah. Yeah, all the time. Yeah. 
Lester's CEO and uh, software company owner. How does you, what do your weeks look like? Are we talking nineteen-hour days? Uh, no, not that often. Not that often. It, it it depends on what's going on. But just before I start talking about myself, I, I just want to come back to something that George said. You know, George, I don't think you're correct when you say that you have no balance because you work like flat out, like other people don't realize for a period of time, and then you're completely off for a period of time because that is balance. Your balance is just very atypical because I remember having a conversation with you back about five years ago when you were going through a process of trying to figure out how to get better balance and you were you were expressing to me how important it is to you that when you are off work, you have to be off work to maintain that balance. Yeah. So I don't think you should think of it as you don't have work-life balance. You just have a very different schedule than most people uh, understand. So it's not like... You know, I work eight hours on and eight hours off. You work eight days on and eight days off. And that's kind of strange. But I mean, one of the things like I, I, I have a tremendous amount of respect for how committed you are to focusing on your on your work life balance. So that's why I want to, to bring that up, because I know that it, it hasn't always been easy for you because you have a stress level in your work that, you know, less than one percent of people on the planet can really relate to. So. I'm just tossing that out there. So um, for myself, what does a regular week look like for me? Um, I think the interesting thing about being an entrepreneur is that, like as Steve was saying, uh, you're always working. But that doesn't mean that I'm working 24 hours a day. It just means that I'm, I'm always available to work 24 hours a day. So I might work, um, you know, at 10 o'clock at night. I might be... Uh, you know, this, I can't remember the last time I took a long weekend because holiday weekends, holiday Mondays, there's always something going on. But at the same time, I might take a, a Wednesday afternoon off just completely random because I, I am in complete control of my schedule. So I don't work 19 hours a day. I work probably, um, you know, I certainly work a lot more than 40 hours a week. But the nice thing is that it's within my control to to choose my own schedule. So that's how I try to balance things. Like the day the day sure we that, took off to see the Comey coverage. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You know, and just say like, you know, the other thing too about most of my career, I've worked in a capacity that required a lot of after hours entertainment based uh, events that were work related, you know, like I worked in sales, I worked in strategic relationship management. But your days of an escort, um, th that's over, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> all the entertainment, I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> I no longer the escort agency. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Just sounded... But, uh, you know, you can, you can uh, depending on sort of what phase of business development you're in, um, I do end up having a lot of like business dinners, business social events that I have to attend as well. And sometimes that's fun and sometimes it's really shitty because, you know, you can be in a really expensive restaurant, but if you're having dinner with three bankers who two of them you don't like and the third one is just boring as fuck, then it's no fun for you and it just means you're getting home at, at midnight, uh, you know, instead of eight o'clock when you wanted to. So, yeah, that's my that's my opening statement, I suppose. Well, and you know, it's interesting that you say that because when we were in Toronto last summer, I guess, and we went for lunch with you, it stretched out into whatever it was, a three and a half hour lunch, which was awesome in Kensington Market. Mm -hmm. And I just thought that's a nice balance to have in your life that I sort of don't have, right? I mean, my, my job, I'm a 100% nine to five. I am the typical 
you know, I'm just short of punching a clock. They actually put a hand scanner in our work where you're supposed to scan in and out. Oh, no. I thought, my God, is this the dark ages? Like, fortunately, this software didn't work. And then some people knocked them off the wall because they were just mad. (laughs) It it never really panned out. But I mean, short of leaving a steaming mug of coffee on my desk so people thought I was there to go with you and drink, you know, a couple of beers in the afternoon and disappear. That's really hard for me to do, right? Yeah. Whereas it yeah. it didn't look like it was hard for you to do, and uh, and that's pretty cool, right? To sort yeah. of have and I guess I mean I do I, you know I, it's true you guys illuminate that I I work pretty hard because I'm you know whatever you guys always tell me I'm working way too hard, but there is that advantage. There's the advantage of you know even this summer you know spending time with Bruce for three days you know during the week or with the family last week and next week with Kyle out in, in Wellman you can do that. And the only person I have to answer to is myself. And if I want to kick it into high gear and make an 80, 85 hour work week to make up for it, then I have the, the ability to do that. I only answer to me. So there's that that privilege, right? For sure. And I mean, yeah, especially absolutely. for me this summer, I mean, that my balance is exactly that. I, I've i sort of made my life that I show up there at eight in the morning and I leave at 4.30 and I really kind of like that now, right? I've got lots of regular evening activities. I got the cottage at the lake that uh, that all works good, right? Following that schedule. But then you roll into a summer like this one where every day is 30 degrees and sunny and you just think this really sucks that I don't have a little bit more flexibility to work on a rainy day and yeah. uh, be hanging out at our cottage on a sunny yeah. day. So there's a there's a 50-50 in that. It, bring, it does bring me to my second point a little bit, I guess. So is it I, like I've come to really enjoy the fact that I've got a, a hockey group that I play with every Thursday night and I can count on not having a work dinner that drags on to midnight with my banker, which happens to be producer Mike, so that might not be so bad. <laughs> But, <laughs> but but in some other cases that would suck. I've got I mean I've got community band. I can commit to coaching my kids, you know, in a bunch of different sports, knowing that that I can live with that schedule. There isn't uh, a lot of guesswork in it for me. And my work and life are very separate, right? My work is one thing, and my life, if you want to call it that, isn't. But Georgie, do you find that yours blend a little bit, or are they still like mine, pretty? pretty different. I don't do my work stuff as recreation. Yeah, you know, I was just about to say I'm unique among you four guys because I've actually been doing the same thing for 25 years. Most people I know are on their sixth or seventh jobs and you guys are a good example of what you started doing in your 20s when I was starting med school versus what we're doing now in our main. So like all I've been doing is the same thing in different cities, in different countries, to different capacities. At the beginning, you know, people remember in Winnipeg, it was completely intertwined. Everything I did in med school, everything I did in residency, I hung out with my residents, all my best friends, um, or the people that I least spend the most time with were all related to, to related to work. And because I worked so much and didn't have this time off that I have now, if I didn't go out, I just didn't go out like it, there was there's everybody just hung out in med school and residency because we were the only people that kind of understood what an insane sk- schedule we had. And then as I've gotten older and moved through a marriage and children and more and more complexity, it's now become more and more separate where I completely put work aside. And like Les said, when we had that discussion, you know, five or plus years ago, I made a conscious decision that I would psychologically break from work uh, so that the people I hang with have nothing to do with work so far as I even picked a gym downtown. So everybody I play squash with and work out are like bankers and oilmen. 
there is no other doctor that in that club. So it is a good point. I actually have made a conscious effort to go from a completely blended relationship to, you know, feast or famine. And you know what? It's kind of funny. Hey, Georgie, yeah, you've been in the same job for 25 years, and me, about 25 days is about as long as I seem to hold one job. And I actually changed jobs, you guys, in the last two months, but we can talk about that some other time. Uh, I feel like my world has changed a little bit like that as well, George, in that when I was in the rec director world, there was a lot more blend in that, right? Because you work at the arena, you go there for recreation and everything. And now that's really, I don't think as consciously as for you, but that's really switched for me how about you steve yeah well i'm usually working on about 21 different projects right so i love i love what i do and you guys know when i get together we like i love to share what's going on it's exciting um so i i have a harder time because my my kind of work is what i i mean it's what i love right and it's so varied like it's leadership it's working with kids it's volunteering it's creating programs it's and it's always on my mind and it's i live and breathe it so i'm always excited about it so there's a it just blurs together sometimes, and I think I, I don't talk about it with you guys as much as I'd like to because I want to give everyone a break. But, you know, even it kind of comes in and out of our conversations, right? It's kind of, it's it's what I do. It's like people. Well, yeah. and it's interesting to me that you say that because I feel like a generation ago or more, there wasn't, it feels to me like there's societal pressure to separate your work and your life, right? That you should have this this life balance where you go kayaking every weekend in the mountains or you... I don't know what, right? You you do yeah. some sexy sort of a thing, whereas it almost feels like there's something wrong with loving your work and spending 20 hours a day at it. So I yeah. I don't know. What do you think, Lester? Am I on the right track with that? Yeah, there's a there's a few things involved in that. I think, and I and I do think it has changed over time. Uh, you know, one thing I'll say in terms of dividing my work and my non-work life, I don't think I have any division. To be honest with you, I think. I love my work and my work is my life and it just intertwines. But again, that's not because I'm a, I'm a workaholic. I think it's because I've, I've been fortunate to get to a point in my career where I'm able to sort of pick and choose things that I want to work on. So the business ventures that I'm involved with, most of them are things that I am interested in and I want to work right. on. And I've gotten involved with people who I want to work with. Right. So it all kind of, blends together from that standpoint. But I do think that there's definitely been a been a shift in that um, over time. I can tell you, like, I remember when I first moved out to Toronto, and I, I mean, 20 years ago this summer, I moved to Toronto. Oh. In, yeah, it's a long time, eh? Hard to believe. I've now lived in Toronto longer than I've lived anywhere else in my life, so I guess I'm, I'm almost a Torontonian. Wow. Uh, wow, that felt weird to say out loud, but... Uh, Ooh. Like that, yeah, I guess that's the reality. None of us are fans of that. <laughs> Yeah, fans of that statement, right? Yeah, I don't think I am either. Wow, I got to rethink that. I really anyway, feel like slapping you for um, some reason. When I first moved to Toronto, I remember, and part of it I think is just age too, and and you know everyone I was hanging out with, we were you know sort of like late twenties, early thirties, and everybody was really career driven, and everybody talked about how much they worked and how hard they worked, like it was a like a badge of honor, and I think it is a little bit. But at the time, because I just arrived here, I thought it was a real Toronto thing. You're living in the city, you know, ooh, you work on Bay Street, you know, you're at an investment bank or you're a lawyer. And like guys would try to, it was almost like um, the scene in American Psycho with the guys with the business cards one-upping each other over how expensive their business cards looked. You know, guys would talk about how many hours a week they put in as if it made them cooler to have more and more hours. And it was like a competitive thing. And women, women were like that as well. And the dating scene was like that. You know, it was, 
if you weren't putting in 80 hours a week, you were a loser. You weren't an overachiever, right? I definitely think the pendulum has now swung in the opposite direction. It has become a situation where, you know, the people I hang out with now, we're all, you know, in the not twilights of our careers, but we're established in our careers and we're not desperately trying to climb the ladder. But people talk more about what they, you know, it's cool to say, yeah, fuck, man. I left the office at two o'clock yesterday afternoon. I was on the golf course by three. Wonderful. Or I worked from my cottage all last week. It's great. You know, I only spent four days of the, a week in the office now. And that's become a badge of honor. Sounds like Vic Lowen. And- <laughs> <laughs> Our high school teacher. Well, shout out to Vic. Prime. <laughs> shout out to Vic, yeah. I think, I think part of that, I'm not, I'm not sure, Bruce. I guess I'm not sure if that's because people I'm having these conversations with are now mid 40s and not late 20s or if it's that society has changed over those 20 years it's probably uh, a combination of those two factors but I definitely feel feel the difference yeah for sure yeah I and I don't know either I think I think it's a little bit of both I agree with you I it's interesting that you the way you described uh, Toronto especially when you first moved there because that's exactly how I pictured it but I always thought maybe that was just some bad stereotype I had in my head like it was a no, real, dude, real was, bad that was, that was stereotype. Real, man. so that Georgie was I was gonna ask you like from a structural bureaucratic perspective like you're working in a system that really generally hasn't changed but what's changed is like the generation of people working is there a shift in in health, like in, in the medical profession around how hard people work, like whether the younger people show up nowadays with the attitude of or working to live and not living to work. What do you see? Absolutely. So I was golfing with Elijah yesterday, you know, because I'm still on holidays till tomorrow. And we were we were like curmudgeon old men because we were talking about medical school and residence. We were we were probably jealous, except that we didn't say that out loud, how hard we had to work and what our mentors expected from us. Versus how they show up with a nearly privileged attitude or an expectation that, you know what, I'm not going to put in this amount of time and effort like you did because you get old guys are crazy how much you worked to get where you are. And I'm going to try to have work-life balance. So that's a big thing uh, in healthcare with, uh, you know, patient safety and numbers of hours worked related to, you know, medical error and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So that's actually quite a big thing and a sexy topic well, uh, in yeah. healthcare. The only problem with that is that nothing supplants uh, patient exposure. So I, I agree with them. I think you guys should work less than I did because I think what I did was unhealthy, except I was young and strong and, you know, nothing could break me uh, mm-hmm. until it does. And But the problem is if you don't touch patients, you don't take care of people, and I think that's like any other job, you really can't get your 10,000 hours to become an expert. Yeah. So I'm a little bit worried about, this new generation, let's call them millennials, who think stuff can come to them without physically putting in hours. And that's not, there's nothing takes over physically working at any skill set. Yeah. And I I see in, in, from my perspective, there's two major forces pushing this work-life balance. One is the younger generation that has everything. uh, And I'm not going to call them millennials. I think that's, you know, whatever it's, it's, it was just different times. They have everything that immediately. They don't have to wait. They've never really had to self-regulate. You know, it's, it's just we've, we've actually created that for them. It's not really their mm-hmm. fault. And you've got these younger guys coming up going, you know, I don't really have to put in the time because I really don't have to. And we've got more expended, expendable income and we have more t- leisurely time. That's one that's pushing the work-life balance. The other one is if you look at even our generation, 
uh, one over us, us and beyond, beyond us. People are not happy at work anymore. You never heard people, even in our generation, talk about work-life balance when we were putting in 90 hours because we were, we were driven, we, we liked our work. But now when you look at the, the statistics, people are not happy at work anymore. And, and that's when, you know, it's like the morale, the morale word. You never hear the word morale when things are good. No one ever says, hey, what do you think of the morale? Until it sucks. And now people are like, like you know, I really got to strive for work-life balance because my work sucks. So I need more life in it, right? And I see those two things driving this whole this whole push. It's yeah, it's pretty strange. It's it's funny to me that, and I I feel there is a little bit of the media or society somehow has created that image that work is never fun or it's never good, right? Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. And you you should be striving to just not be at work, but there's no reason why you can't enjoy what you're doing and and think that's as great as sitting on a beach somewhere right Cause yeah that's, yeah that's just just a different thing some of them not really mine specifically but our immigrant fathers and grandfathers would just hate this whole oh, yeah. concept oh yeah <laughs> we should be happy that we're making great lives for ourselves and uh, so you got to spend a few hours doing that what's what's wrong with that yeah. can i ask a question go ahead T- timer just went off but go for it we got time yeah the, the question i have is who do you think taught us our work-life balance? Because it definitely wasn't my parents. Like, I wonder you... how we got to be where we are well, now, George... where we had the opportunity, in my case, very literally, I am an immigrant. I immigrated to this country. And when you went to 48 Hemlock, you left Canada and went into old school Portugal. <laughs> so I had this crazy mixture of this insane work ethic, which I think was too much. And then I've kind of moved along and picked up stuff in northern Manitoba and throughout my life. So I don't know where we learned this because it definitely wasn't from the generation above us. No. And, and I think you're like coming from a European uh, immigrant family as well. The thing is, our parents and our grandparents, they didn't have as much time on their hands. They had to work to live. They really, you stop pushing the plow and you stop mending the fences and you starved basically. Right. And I think our grandparents worked to live. Our parents worked to make a better life for us. And now our generation is working in a better life. And what, well, we just made a better life so better that the work ethic has kind of waned a little bit. And I think that's a reality. I think it's what's meaningful. Like yeah, the, the meaning of work has changed. Maybe we celebrate that. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah being, it's not a bad, grumpy it's not a bad thing. But hey, I, I, Kelly Edwards and I were at the gym like about five years ago I was visiting and we were standing there talking just about beat, beat the shit yeah, just beat the shit up. I just got bigger watching him work out and uh, <laughs> we were just standing there talking about kids nowadays and I said shit are we having this fucking conversation like it just like even you know we call them millennials or whatever like flash forward 20 years from now they're gonna they're gonna be complaining about how they had to wait a minute for a pizza pop you know the drive through like it just I think it's relative that we've been complaining about kids since Socrates and we will continue to complain about for the next generation. It's it's our job as old men. <laughs> Lester, anything more on that before we go to closing comments? Uh, no, I don't think so. I, I, I will point out, just going back to what I said earlier about how our lives, our work lives and personal lives tend to get very intertwined as entrepreneurs. Steve and I actually spent about 90 minutes on the phone yesterday. And the first half of the conversation was me giving him some advice on how to structure some uh, business development contracts he's working on. And the second half of the conversation was him giving me advice on how to deal with some some uh, employee related leadership issues at my at my company. And it was just as comfortable and enjoyable a conversation as when we shoot the shit over anything else. Yeah. And it comes back to how I said, you know, I, I feel really fortunate that my life is structured in that manner that that my work life is kind of intertwined with 
people who I want to be speaking to anyway. And I, so. I would agree that when Les and I are together, we don't have to say, you know, can I talk about work? Right. I mean, it just, yeah, no, it, it's it just, just, it just flows back and forth. And we have some pretty meaningful visits for sure. It flows from basketball yeah. to HR issues yeah. to uh, the night before. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. <laughs> I love it. And you know what? That's an excellent kind of, uh, I think that's an excellent thing to, to end off on. Cause I mean, if we were to look at just, we'll use you as an example, but could be Steve or even George and the positions that you guys are in, it would be easy to say, these guys are lost, right? They have no work-life balance or they're, they must be miserable because, uh, Less, you know, your phone's ringing off the hook 23 hours a day, but that's, that's fun, man. That's yeah. life. Yeah. Yeah. It's it meaningful. Is. It is. Meaningful. It's exciting. For sure. Boys, we got to wrap it up. Tomato timer went off. Les, you got to get out for dinner. We cannot hold I do up the, on that. I, I heard the hairdryer stop about three minutes ago. Oh, no. My time is, my time is running out. <laughs> you're, you're in tough. The eyelash curler comes out and then it's time. Yeah, to get exactly. Going. I got about three minutes of makeup application time left. <laughs> she's she's going to be coming downstairs. See where the Uber is. <laughs> Other than taking a pretty girl out for supper, what's going on in your world in the next little while? Actually, this is actually a perfect way for me to end this call. Steve and I were talking yesterday, and uh, I have a couple of projects uh, that are kicking off in September. And I was talking about how, fuck, if I don't get uh, away a little bit before September, it's going to be maybe six months before I can take a reasonable vacation. So I woke up this morning thinking that, and I actually booked a flight to Italy uh, next week. I'm, I'm taking off. Maybe we'll do a pod. I'll do a pod from the Amalfi Coast. Nice. You know what? We, that's the next big chance to do the Canada one maybe is when yeah. you're uh, when you're in Italy. Yeah, when, there you go. When I have those thoughts, I usually gas up the minivan and go to Paint Lake. So our lives are a little <laughs> different. <laughs> a little well, there you go. See, but the thing is, Bruce, I will be taking my laptop and my phone and without a doubt, I will do some level of work every single day that I'm there. But it won't ruin my vacation. It's not like what you see on TV where... It's like, oh, I tried to go on vacation. It sucked because I had to work. I mean, fuck that. I'll take some calls. I'll answer my emails and I'll do what I enjoy doing. I'll just do it from a, a warmer, sunnier place. <laughs> Absolutely. So. And I'd leave my phone at home and leave my friends behind. Georgie, how about you? What's coming up? Well, I'm about to start. Uh, my vacation's over. So I'm about to start, as Les pointed out, the balance of my imbalance. I'm about to work 14 consecutive days uh, in a row and be on call for half of those. Uh, but for me, that's okay. And I guess my final comment is uh, balance comes from within. I'm really lucky. I knew I was going to be a doc from the moment I can remember for some reason, as you guys all know. So I like the imbalance that I have when I work because I like the intensity. And so that would be my advice to people. Yeah, balance comes from within. And if you enjoy your life and your work, then that's the balance. Spectacular! Dolores is good. Wise words. Less, less, less laughing and some real. Uh, we need. To, I need to hear some pan flutes in the background. Stephen Handley <laughs> conversation right here, Mr. Handley. Stephen. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I, I just, I don't think I have anything to say on it that hasn't been said. You know, you find your own balance, and if it's meaningful, I mean, once in a while it gets away on me. Um, but what I got coming up next is uh, I spent uh, six days at Clark Lake. I'm going to be here for three days with Bruce and Marnie and and Fam. Uh, at Paint Lake, just enjoying it, and then off to Wellman Lake uh, to see Kyle and the kids. So, I mean, I can't complain. And like Les, I'm not going to Italy, but I do see the tsunami of September coming. So Do it. I, I can't wait to have Steve at the cabin. Boys, coming up from me, that I might make this a podcast extra. We might talk about it on the next pod. But a couple days ago, I got ripped off by a guy named Andy Wavy. It was some mad hijinks. He's a guy I don't know. I gave him a ride from the Burntwood Hotel up to 29 Duke Place. <laughs> Included the offer of a blowjob, declined. 
Wow. Wait, wait, wait. Why did you offer him a blowjob? (laughs) I was so disappointed he declined. Other way around, uh, five beers and two missing jerry cans and a stolen wallet. So it was like the craziest thing that's ever happened to me. I'm leaving it with that teaser, boys. That that's a pod. If Andy Wavy asks you for a ride, don't give it to him. Well, <laughs> <laughs> is it worth the jerry can? All right, all right, guys. boys. That's the pod. Thanks very much. Awesome. Next yeah. time, what it believe, what it means to be Canadian. See you, boys. See you guys. All right, boys. Good night. If you like what you hear, all our episodes are at podbean.com. Just look for Snow Day Pod or find us on Twitter. We are at Snow Day Pod.